listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how you doing, mate? I am doing uh, good as always. Good as always. You know, I very rarely choose um, uh, this show to complain. <laughs> well, there's so many other outlets for it, especially these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think I saw a meme going around the other day about uh, kind of like, how are you different in real life personality than you are on Twitter? And uh, <laughs> I thought, well, I'm, I'm actually much more cantankerous and argumentative in real life. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not agreeing that you are cantankerous in real life because I certainly haven't necessarily always found that to be the case. But uh, I think we we both present uh, a fairly accurate persona on uh, on Twitter. But uh, maybe, perhaps. But nevertheless, let's um let's get into it. I think uh, today we're hoping to chat about um uh, basically um uh, we're wanting to talk about e-commerce and it, it's through the lens of uh, there's. A really strong interest right now in people moving their business um, uh, more online than ever before. Uh, clearly, the pandemic's accelerated that conversation. Many people have found themselves in the place where the you know the first best time to have done this was five years ago, and the second best time is like now. Um, yeah, and uh, frankly, for B two B manufacturers wanting to stand up e commerce for the first time. Uh, respectfully, is a little different than just say your local craft brewery or restaurant that's getting their head around uh, a small e-com presence in order to bridge this COVID gap. Um, Quite right. So, I guess that's what we're looking to attack today: is really um, work through it um, and and uh, give uh, manufacturing marketers kind of a lens through which to look at this decision point and uh, maybe a couple of different uh, options that they would have in front of them for how they might be able to dip their toe in the e-commerce waters. Did I do a decent job of teeing that up, Jeff? Yeah, I think I think you're completely right. You know, a lot of people are looking at e-commerce at this point in time, and uh, they haven't necessarily been preparing for it, or it was a project that was in the offing, but it was a ways down the road, and they didn't necessarily have the intent of moving ahead with it and it wasn't that potentially as important to them as it may be now. Um, and we've designed and built a, a lot of e-commerce stores um, in the B2B space. And and we know just how complex that can be for marketers and for uh, logistics teams and for others. So, you know, if there's different ways that we can be looking at this that don't require, you know, an 18 month time horizon to uh, assemble your tens of thousands of SKUs and get everything ready, then, you know, what could you do? And where can you take that in a way that's going to see you getting some experience in e-commerce, seeing some feedback from your customers and uh, beginning to learn from that and grow it and kind of eventually turn it into a uh, potentially a full e-commerce platform for your B2B manufacturing business. Well, and Jeff, I think you, um, you, you kind of you kind of touched on it there. So I want to just kind of be very explicit about it. Um, that really the a lot of the complexity associated, well, if we had to chunk up, what are the buckets or the areas of complexity, if you will, 
that a manufacturer might have in, in, in building out an e-com presence. Um, one of it certainly is around the checkout process and how B2B um, transactions are, are, are conducted versus, say, just a consumer-level transaction with a credit card. Um, we certainly know that the levels of integration with an ERP or other uh, tool sets, it's going to be um, most likely decidedly more complex for a manufacturer than uh, some others may experience. And then third, and perhaps almost most important, is that so much of it comes down to that, um, the number of, of SKUs, isn't it? It's, 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 when we talk about these products being very configurable, uh, often in, in for B2B manufacturers and, um, and, and just the, the sheer heavy lift associated with trying to get all of the digital assets and content associated with a product uh, so that that information is actually ready uh, to be populated into a store. Um, that is not an easy thing. So I guess the rest of this conversation is against that backdrop where we're saying that's the the heavy lift if should you choose to take it here are some other options that might carve off parts of that and allow you to get going faster absolutely yeah no i think that's the that's the right way to approach it and, and we've got a bunch of uh, ideas about how how you might uh, how you might go down that road and begin to experience you know the wonder that is <laughs> a functioning e-commerce store so, indeed so what's the first one that you had in mind well, I, I think one of the, you know, one of the places that you can really look to is uh, looking at some of your top um, orders and top customers, and give them an opportunity to do e-com based reordering. So you're looking at, you know, five percent of your of your total um, product mix, and you're carving that off and uh, and making those items available for people who were already doing fairly consistent ordering before and bringing that onto, onto the site in some way, providing a user name, password type login so that those customers can actually get in there and do that. And there's, there's probably a decent chance that your ERP has that capability built in, even if you don't have it turned on right now. Just trying to think through, I mean, that notion of going deep with your top clients. And, you know, if you're a marketer that maybe considering which of these strategies we're going to uh, detail might be right for you. I mean, I'm thinking in that instance, one of the great things about that from a, I guess, political management internally perspective is that inside of organizations, it can often be an easier sell to sell investing in uh, supporting and better serving your top customers. Um, for many manufacturers, that that feels right and it feels smarter and better than uh, building for, for prospects, uh, oddly. Um, so I think if you find yourself in that kind of an organization, um, this might be an interesting move. Um, it's also one uh, that would make sense if, of course, you know that there's a lot of uh, lifetime value in those existing customers that you haven't been able to tap into yet. Maybe you're having... Uh, difficulty fully uh, cross-selling into those uh, customers or or what have you. Um, what, what am I missing there, Jeff? Uh, not, not a heck of a lot. I, I don't think I, the one thing I do think about it is that it it potentially gives you a way into e-commerce that doesn't require the typical store build 
side of things. I mean, you can probably get away with something like this, with simply designing custom forms for your top customers, you know, where you have the ability to go in and list products, add or remove the ones that aren't going to be necessary, perhaps on that monthly order cadence or, or quarterly cadence or whatever that order um, cadence happens to be. And simply providing a way because these are existing customers, maybe you don't need to have any kind of payment processing gateway. You just have them enter the purchase order number and then contact the right person. So it's a way of of, uh, of smoothing out that order process, making it uh, easier lifting for your uh, logistics folks and, and simply you know, kind of getting something up there and working. It's, it's a nice way to get a taste of e-commerce without having to to build a full-on platform for that experience. And uh, like a lot of things, the opposite is also an option here. If we're not going to go deep with our top clients, one of the things that we could do is build an e-com platform to maybe serve the underserved or those um, the smaller clients that are, it's maybe not as cost-effective to give them a, a one-on-one personal sales treatment. We certainly see that a lot. Yeah, we do. I mean, we, we've built a couple of uh, e-com platforms for this exact purpose where, you know, for smaller lots, for, um, you know, individual sample purchases and, and things like that, you know, providing a smaller set of your uh, SKUs or, or smaller packaged uh, versions of those SKUs for, uh, for those customers that don't necessarily spend the, don't have the huge lifetime value of your of your biggest customers, but are you know, a, a considerable I mean, time suck is such a, a horrible word, but, uh, you know, but they, they can, they can really take up an awful lot of time for your salespeople, your CSRs, when in reality, the profit isn't necessarily there. But if you can streamline the process of how they purchase an order from you, then, you know, you, that's a real win. And then that can be extended later on to uh, a broader catalog and, uh, and the rest of your uh, customers. You look in this one area where I, I think the, the people that I've seen do this really successfully and to really prove out the ROI of their of their platform, um, it seems like they're the ones that are most able to realize the administrative efficiencies and savings um, uh, associated with that, i.e. They, those, the, those manufacturers that are maybe best able to redeploy those sales resources that were being absorbed by these uh, nuisance orders, if you will, um, and when they, you know, if they, because some some organizations are just more, uh, I guess, uh, capable of uh, realizing those administrative efficiency savings than others, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things I guess I was, one thing that kind of nags me about this strategy is that it is that it like takes like a really great tool. Uh, for 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 serving clients, um, it takes a it, it takes a, the development of a tool that is actually more aligned with how buyers are wanting to buy these days, and it relegates it to oh, it's used to serve the people that we'd otherwise just don't want to talk to. Like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? It's never really set well with me. I guess I understand why people do this strategy. It's not like I'm completely against it, but I always feel like. Um, just building an e-com platform to serve the underserved is just seems like you're missing a big chunk of the why there. But uh. yeah, I, I do wonder though with you know with those larger um, 
order values for your for your biggest and best clients the logistical side is probably a bit more difficult maybe and uh, requires more effort to stand up from a technology perspective um, to kind of get to that scale I, I I don't know I mean maybe maybe you find as you get into that that really this could apply to everyone even though you thought that uh, you're only going to serve those uh, underserved customers see folks this is how it works I get annoyed and then Jeff's inevitably a little bit more reasonable <laughs> are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads stop wasting time and distracting your sales team account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity close more deals and grow your business faster we've created a sample manufacturing abm plan to help you get started download the sample manufacturing abm plan at bit.ly slash sample abm that's bit.ly slash sample abm so so there's two we could go deep with top clients we could serve the underserved um what's the third one on your mind I think the the third one that I'm thinking of, and we see this often when we're when we're speaking with prospects who are considering implementing an e-commerce store, you know, maybe they've got tens of thousands of SKUs. They, you know, have lots and lots of different configurations of potential products, you know, and they don't necessarily have, um, to our point as we kicked off the podcast, content about each one of those. So maybe you look at examine your uh, financials and, and figure out exactly, you know, what are the top 100 products that you could make available? And can you quickly uh, prepare the content, the product descriptions and all of that and stand up a store for those products that are most commonly purchased and uh, and make that the, the thing? Because, you know, the, the technology side of it is going to be what it's going to be, but it's the population and the uh, preparation of content that is going to take the vast majority of time. So what can you get off the ground quickly with your most popular products? And uh, maybe another way to look at it, which is maybe the same thing, but maybe isn't, um, is I think you could look at, okay, what are our most popular products? There, there's going to be some overlap with what I'm about to say, but I don't think it's exactly the same. You can also look at what are those products that are tend to be the gateway products, the, the products that lead people to discover our brand for the first time. What are the products that are the first per products that people typically buy from us? Um, and maybe those are the ones that we put on um, an e-com platform initially. Yeah, I think, I think that there's a real opportunity to kind of make available to consumers those top products that maybe are the ones that... Uh, you know, are, are most likely to be available um, and of interest to actual consumers. Um, we, we've certainly seen, you know, some of the guests that we've had on the Cooler Ring before who have a lot of crossover between their B2B customers and uh, prosumer consumers who want to, you know, use the stuff that the, uh, you know, that the professionals use. So, uh, and I, I think that gives you an opportunity to kind of understand exactly, you know, what's expected of an e-commerce store from a consumer sense and anything you learn there that you can apply to your b2b e-commerce platform is going to ensure that it's an improved experience over what uh, what you might have done if you were simply just turning on your erp's e-com functionality and we've certainly seen that uh, folks have found uh, that is a way of managing some potential channel conflict with an e-com uh, presence as well um, sometimes they don't uh, make their distribution channel quite as angry 
uh, if they think that they're only going after a consumer, like a prosumer buyer versus a B2B buyer. Yeah. And I guess that, that way too, you know, especially if you do have that kind of brand appeal, you could also use it as a, as a merch platform mm. to, you know, to just sell uh, branded merchandise as an opportunity to begin to understand the logistics and the flow of, of exactly how that works without impacting your, your true products. Mm, I'm reminded of Klein Tools doing that actually. Yeah. The only e-com I think available on Klein Tools site isn't for their pliers, which everybody would gladly buy online, but they actually send you to Home Depot or whatever to do that. But if you want to buy the Klein Tools swag, you can do that on their uh, site. Yeah, exactly. So, I think that actually that that's our fifth one if we if we consider merch as as its own category. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, one of the other areas we talked about um, is looking at it from a point of view of clearance. Um, yeah. uh, in some ways, that takes some of the complexity out of it. Uh, you know, you're not so much looking at um, something that's custom or configurable when you're saying, "Look, this is what we have. Do you want to buy it or not?" Um, and I find too, uh, clearance ecom platforms, they don't carry the same service expectation potentially. Uh, so maybe people feel sometimes a little bit more comfortable with that being their uh, first foray in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now we, we found this at the back of the warehouse and we really just need to get rid of it to make room. Yeah. Only one. And, and, and we're being honest about that and you know exactly what you're buying and everybody knows what this is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and I, I think that's a, you know, certainly a, a great, again, a great way to learn from this. And I think that one, that one kind of leads in a bit into our, our next thought, which is just around this idea of, you know, what can you do from leveraging existing marketplaces for the kinds of goods that you manufacture and sell? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really of a couple of different minds here. I think it can be helpful. Um, uh, in the short term, uh, and and people certainly do get that kind of taste of e-com, but it's also in an environment that you really can't control or iterate or improve upon, so I don't know how much it teaches you. I mean, it teaches you about the logistics side of it maybe a little bit, but even that's kind of unique in that situation. And then I find inevitably... It's like okay, like one, the minute that that <laughs> the minute that that starts really kind of working for you is the minute you want to start weaning yourself off off of it because you're you're tired of giving up the profit, right? Yeah, fair enough. If you're tired of giving up that margin, uh, it's like Jesus. Just just when the drug starts working, it's when you have to start trying to kick the habit. <laughs> well, then I guess the corollary to that, of course, is to build your own marketplace where you don't necessarily provide all of the product that goes in it, but you provide the platform for doing it. And I mean, that's certainly what we saw from uh, Lisa Butters and Honeywell, who was on the show a couple months ago. And uh, I mean, you know, we're supposed to be talking about things that are light lifting or light ish lifting. And that certainly isn't necessarily the case there. But, uh, you know, they to be fair, uh, they had a fairly small team, if you recall, and yep. I think they got that started up pretty quick. Yeah, it was 12, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, something like that. So, I mean, yeah. So, uh, they're depending upon, um, like you say, if you're creating your own marketplace, the big benefit of that is you can, it's, it's those people who are listing their products on that marketplace uh, that have the, the kind of the, the product level information lift, if you will. Yeah, the onus is on them to make sure that the product information is good. Mm. I mean, I, I think that 
you know, that's eight separate ideas about how you can relatively quickly stand up an e-commerce platform and learn up fr- from the experience and, and get something in in play with, uh, you know, without having to to make your entire 100,000 SKU library of products available and write descriptions for each. Mm. So I, I think that's, a, you know, that's a, there should be something in there that a lot of manufacturers can find of interest that they may be able to experiment with and try without, you know, without expending a ton of budget in order to do it. Yeah, I think this is like the, um, I don't know, this feels to me like the Morgan Freeman strategy um, or something here where we're telling Tim Robbins to get busy living or get busy dying or whatever. <laughs> like, like this is the, this is, these are the, these are the get busy living strategies, right? Like you, these are different ways that you can start down this path. Um, and you should, uh, for anybody doing it, um, you should really uh, check out our, uh, one of our early episodes. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember Jeff talk to me here. Uh, she was with GE. Um, oh, uh, Monica. Monica about uh, not thinking about your e-com initiative as a project, but rather as a product. So, uh, maybe I'll leave you with that kind of thought if you are going down this road and going to pick one of these uh, uh, kind of uh, on-ramps into e-commerce. Uh, think of it as a product that you're going to be uh, enhancing and developing over the long haul. I think that's great advice. Thanks a lot, Carmen. Been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. 